Stall today, boys. I don't want to mention the first one. I do not want to mention the first one just because we're going to get shit hung on us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're talking about a zoo again, but we've confirmed <laughs> who was buying the shares yesterday yep. that's been in the news. We've got interesting <laughs> chats coming up on panoramic tech mm. asset sales. We'll get into that later on as well, as Glencore well as line. Atlantic <sighs> Lithium. Yep. Yep. And some rapid fire on True North Copper. And uh, that's it. Let's talk, cut to it. A lot of exciting talk, stuff. Let's hey? talk about rapid fire. Rapid fire in the exploration industry. We're talking rap, like as in rapid fire shells going everywhere, which is what any time exploration do. Like just <laughs> they do everything. What do you mean? They officially do everything today. You know, we were talking about anything. It is take the, the have you got the announcement today? The anything is gone to actually anything. Hang on. Check Hang on. this out. Right. Anytime exploration are now into jorks. Hey. They can do a jork. Mate, check out LinkedIn. Seamus, look, I reckon Seamus has chucked a bit of polish on the noggin there. It and looks like a very <laughs> shiny. We would head. like to welcome it's Sarah Dyer, Technical Geological Services and Validation, to the money of mine and the Anytime team. Because if you're in Anytime, you're in our family as well. Wow. Mate, Sarah Dye, she's going to be looking after mineral exploration and resource evaluation so they can do a jork report, anything, litho, geochem, data analysis. I won't act like I know what that is, but it sounds like <laughs> if I needed it, I would get someone else to do it. This is really cool. Yeah. This is Sarah really had cool. a, bit of a, a bit of a motto that I feel I've heard. Well, they, after she does... Like if you round it off with independent geological and regulatory reporting, if there's something else geologically related, her mm. motto is, "I'll make it happen or I'll die at trying." <laughs> I die at trying. <laughs> well, welcome, Sarah. This is um awesome. Well, boys, I can tell you right now, Big Seamus is excited with the new geological <laughs> offering. I'm telling you. You want to know how much? Tell me. I'm excited. <laughs> he is excited. <laughs> He is pumped. You can just say that. Should we play it again? I'm excited. Really dialed up the um, like you know, you had you had um, Shannon just fake talking, and now you've got the real mugs talking. Oh, well done, I know. Well done, mate. Well done. I know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, congratulations. Uh, welcome, Sarah, on the team. Now also, all the good stuff happens at the Barn Me Shop. The words got around from one of our little things we put out last week. <laughs> Check it out, money miners. Oh. Shit, cotton machine's broken. I know. <laughs> Call KCA. <laughs> Mate, it's taken off. And I told you. Call KCA. I told you to take off. Mate, we talk plenty about the uh, the underground capability of them, the ITs, the underground trucks, the Charmex, the Normet stores trucks, but, mate, also the surface stuff available for hire. Water trucks. Got to keep the dust out of the lungs, boys, while you're up there. You'd rather them go on the solar panels than in your lungs. So, mate, <laughs> surface stores truck with a crane. Uh, Wicked. Can I'm not the crane can't like if you injure yourself you probably can't be lifted up using the crane it's more for machines and stuff yeah okay uh, but look depends how much of a cowboy show you're running mate <laughs> six four wheel drive buses to get the <laughs> most important thing the people 
to and from the airport to mm. the site to the camp back to the wedding. Because if, if you couldn't get the people to the site to the wedding, you'd have to. Well, call it's, it's funny when you say people. Look at that photo there. What am I looking at? Oh yeah, yeah. What do you notice about that photo? Um, it's a really. Do you want to know something funny about that photo? Tell me. You take either of those, either the jumbo or the person away. You can't use the jumbo. <laughs> Mate, that person is just important as that jumbo. And you know what? KCA supply them too. Not that bloke specifically. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure if he's on the books or not. But, mate, if you, they've got machines, they've got people, bloody labour hire out. Mate, they've got it all. That's a value proposition right there because, yeah, you bloody need a person but you need the kit yeah. at the same time. Can't so. have one without the other. Can't earn money without paying tax. You know how to, how to get it though? Call KCA. Call KCA. <laughs> Boys, let's get into it. So yesterday we speculated uh, about the trading in Azure. It went up to as high as I think it was four dollars thirty-seven, uh, which was you know twenty odd, twenty-four percent I think above the SQM offer price. Was on pretty low volume. It did pull back at the end of the day. We were speculating it. Word on the decline. It was Pilbara, but the trading activity didn't really pertain to that. But it came out with a change in substantial yesterday afternoon. It was Minres lifting up about a percent. So they're up to thirteen point five six percent holding of Azure now. So interesting. What do you thought that? I don't know if it was them all the way through the day or it was the pre-market volume. Well, Matty, I, I had a look at the change of substantial notice lodged on um, ASX because you could you can actually kind of deduce a few things. What they do is they, they write in um, the total quantum of shares purchased in the day and the consideration paid during the day. And from that, you can kind of back solve a few things. Oh, so you know the average price. They paid. Exactly, yeah, right. exactly. And yeah. I looked at the average price paid. It actually, there was five days worth of buying in there from the 8th of November through to yesterday. Um, and in every single one of the days, the average price paid was less than four dollars. I'd probably wager to say that they actually haven't bought a share higher than four dollars because. So that was the retail punters on that lower volume. I 100% think that it was you know whatever yeah. um, buying occurred above four bucks yesterday wasn't Minres. Um, yeah, it would have. There was some buying of the rumor. Um, unless it comes out and another party was, was was doing it because that price action didn't look like sensible execution at all. And I think that's validated in the, in the Minres changes substantial. And it's actually it's actually pretty important that that detail them not going much over five bucks. Four, uh, buck, four bucks. Yeah, rather. you're 100 percent right. Like remember when we were speaking with Ben Bailey and um, the, the M and A guru, I'm going to call him, and um, he he basically told, you know told us and our audience that that the highest price you pay for a share matters a lot in the context of, you know, a potential offer to come. You under um, sort of takeover laws, you're not allowed to lob a bid lower than the highest price you paid for shares in the last four months. So, you know, you can imagine Minres being pretty disciplined about sticking to a, a certain um, threshold and, and, and I'd actually bet that they haven't paid for a share over four bucks. Very interesting to see what <laughs> – no point. Uh, we can speculate forever on what the plan is until the plan comes out. Yeah, let's get into uh, – Panoramic, they're one yeah. we haven't spoken about for a couple of months. They'd no. obviously had the the whole saga at the at the mill, and then they'd had a you know a pretty heavily awful, discounted capital rise. Yeah, pretty shocking recapitalization mm. of the business at a heavy discount. Options involved, you know. Yeah, and they've been trading below that issue price for the majority of the time since. Yeah, so they went into trading halt this morning. They're pending an announcement, which I think will be coming out after market today, regarding an update on financial, strategic, and operational matters so it's never never not a good sign to read those words we obviously we obviously hone in on the loss of 
shareholder money on this show a bit, but when when these words come out, like the potential to go into care and maintenance and things like that, it's people lose jobs, which is not a good thing. So it's very – the impact this sort of stuff has on – directly on employees is not a good thing. So um, we never never like to see it. Completely completely agreed, mate. Um, That said, they they still do, given the cap – Raise have a bit of cash, so yes, they had forty two point six million at the end of last quarter, but they did remember they raised forty four million. That was at a forty five point seven percent discount, so they were at nine point seven cents. They raised at five. You look at the chart; they've crept all the way down to three and a half cents. Yeah, and so. IGO didn't follow their money, but from memory, was did Zeta play a role or something like that? Didn't they? Oh, jeez, we're, going, they back, did. we're going back in the bloody episodes. Yeah, now, I think you're right. Um, and. <clears throat> Uh, like we don't, we don't know what's going on here, but we can see from that quarterly that, yeah, I mean, that losing money, you hope that, I think they were trying to get to the higher grade bit where they could make money, but plagued by a filter press issue, which costs time and money. And then also nickel price, um, has, has, yeah, a massive headwind to face. You don't want to be a high cost miner, um, as a whole bunch of new nickel supplier comes online and makes nickel price a lot harder. I don't think Panoramica are the only ones in that boat feeling the pain, um, but it's bloody not good news and just hope that there's um, some light at the end of the tunnel. It might, it might be one of those bite the bullet, make a decision now to go on care and maintenance until there's a better in pricing environment. Yeah, but I don't, which, I don't which think this is a care and maintenance announcement for what it's worth. It just says strategic alternative. So I interpret that as, um, yeah, exploring options to maximise the remaining equity value to the best we can. And that's probably looking at potential, you know, strategic alternative sale process, potentially divestment of things, potentially um, restructuring financing arrangements with traffic, a whole bunch of things that could be, you just don't quite know yet. But, you know, the worst sort of case scenario there is like a care maintenance admin scenario. I don't think it's that yet. I mean, this is all subject to whatever announcement comes out after Mm. this. I sort of read this as kind of the prelude to a, a pretty negative um, scenario, but I don't think it's like bloody, um, yeah, a horror announcement yet. Righto, on to the uh, Met Coal. I love love talking coal because I don't cover it too much, mate. Oh, you're, JD, you're from New South Wales in your bloody day. Yeah, I know. That's why I moved to WA because <laughs> I didn't want to work in coal. <laughs> JD, tech selling their Met Coal assets. This, this is, has got a bit of history in this show too, this story. It does. We we first spoke about this near the, the very beginning of the show. So that's when all the uh, – the rumours around what's going to happen to tech sort of started. So what's happened today is that a consortium involving Glencore, Nippon and POSCO are buying the Metcoal assets off of tech. So the price tag is US $9 billion. Ooh. So to give a bit of context to the full story here, you've got tech being in the headlines for you know the best part of half a year. They'd initially planned to split the assets. That's the Metcoal on one hand. And on the other hand, you've got the, the metals business essentially. And it was a bit convoluted. There was a wind down of the uh, the super voting rights from the owner, as well as cash flows going from the coal business to the metals business. You then had Glencore trying to come in and buy tech a couple of times. That was at a US $23 billion price. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in turn, tech fought off the bids. They uh, decided they were going to become a, you know, a pure metals business, which is what has eventuated today. And then on the other hand, you've got Glencore buying, being the majority buyer of this. They have also said that they're going to spin off their coal assets. Now, that involves all the coal assets that they own in Australia as well as its own company within 24 months. So the assets are four mines in British Columbia or in Canada, as well as a 46% ownership in a terminal in North Vancouver. 
And to give a bit of context on the scale of the mines, they produced 21.5 million tonnes in 2022. That produced 7.4 billion Canadian dollars in EBITDA and profit of $6 billion. So huge cash flows. That was a healthy year for for coal prices though, 22. Absolutely. And then in the first three quarters of this year, they've produced 17.3 million tonnes and that's uh, produced EBITDA of 3.7 billion or profits before tax of 3.1 billion. So like you say, 2022 is obviously a bumper year for coal prices. And those are those run rates that they were producing at are a bit below what the sort of long-term. So they're aiming to produce 25 million tonnes per annum. Yeah, right. What's this? Uh, so what's this mean for tech, JD, with, so, with that cash coming in the door? So the, the big sort of premise behind the whole discussion when we first spoke about it is tech trying to get a big re-rate on all the copper assets that they have and them not being awarded that higher multiple given the uh, all the coal in their portfolio. So We've spoken about that for a while. And I mean, this is going to be one of the first real examples. We've spoken about Glen, uh, BHB rather, not too long ago. But I mean, they, they only sold a couple of their Met Coal assets. They still hold a bunch. You know, there's not been too many examples of a clean break between coal assets and metals businesses and seeing whether the uh, the metals business gets a better multiple. Is, that, is a lot of that money going to come from like your American sovereign wealth funds that don't aren't are steering away from investing in coal and things like that? Yeah, I mean, private and public capitals, you know, sovereign wealth funds, there'd be heaps of, you know, normal investment managers that are mandated to not be investing in coal. They'll now be able to put that money toward copper assets. So you'd expect a bit of that capital to, to flow in and the multiple that tech trades on in future to look a bit more similar to peers in in North America. Yep. Looking at that $9 billion that they're getting, that's going to go to pay off debt. They currently have net debt of $4 billion US. They also want to, you know, build a few new mines in the future, so keep a bit of that cash, as well as return a bunch of it to shareholders. But they haven't provided any, you know, firm numbers around that. And it's probably worth noting that for the next nine months, tech are still going to get the cash flows from the coal mines until the deal wraps up. So that's a, that's about a billion bucks. I love it. I nothing, love to, nothing to sniff at, right? Every, every one of these, like... Um permutations of these deals with their with their coal assets and getting rid of them. It's got to, just just need to hold on to the cash flows a bit longer. Hold on to it a bit longer. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if it's I don't know what coal's like with grade, but geez, I'll be going for the good stuff in the in the next year. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not going to be as clear cut as you know Gualia was. I don't think you can just grab all the the high grade stuff. But um, just on on copper, the copper assets that Tech have once more. They have been ramping up QB two, this huge copper mine in in South America. And, you know, that's had a bunch of issues through construction into into ramp up. So it's not guaranteed that they get, you know, re-rated to a a similar rate to a company that's producing the same. Obviously, margin matters quite a bit. And if they're going to continue to have these asset issues, they're going to be marked down for it. But the majority of the CapEx has been spent there. Right. Now, these multiples, JD, the price multiple, take us into that, mate. So... The, uh, the multiple is really interesting to look at, especially given the context of what we spoke about about a month ago with Whitehaven picking up Dornier and Blackwater. So we'll start with the the more crude metric, and that's just price over annual tons. Well, we're is- talking about coal, <laughs> not crude oil. A crude, crude <laughs> oh, right. metric, mate. So we're going to... We're going to just simply put the the price of what they're paying over the amount of tons they're producing. And you get a number about 360 bucks per ton. So that obviously involves a few assumptions being made because that's forward looking. If you compare that to Dornier Blackwater, that was 206 bucks a ton. And the earlier deals before that one were the Stanmore ones. And they were done at 
$173. So yeah, right. these ones uh, today look a bit more expensive, but we'll get into that later on with the uh, the margin being what really matters and the actual cash flows that you're earning. So, Mate, the, um, uh, yeah, you, those metrics obviously aren't capturing like what, what your margin is on those, on those tons you're producing. That's right. So, uh, the, the assets that Glencoe predominantly are buying as we'll, as we'll sort of get into now are just far better quality. They produce a better quality coal, therefore they get a better price and the margins way better. The, uh, the royalty regime in British Columbia isn't as severe as Queensland has been of late. So that just leads to uh, a better price at the end of the day. And we'll throw up some numbers that UBS and Respeculator have thrown around recently. So if you assume $240 long-term met coal price, 95% relativity and costs at $120 per tonne on that 25 million tonnes per annum run rate that we spoke about, you're getting cash flow margin of US $2.5 billion per annum, $9 billion price tag. You're looking at about 36 times. So, I mean, to put it in context, three to four times multiples for assets that produce a lot of cash is not bad, but, you know, you just need to remember we're talking about coal here. So that comes with all these uh, other, you know, asterisks. What do you think, what do you think about, um, what do you think about those multiples when you, when you weigh it up and, and, and also think about a re-rate for, for tech in amongst it? I mean, at, at the end of the day, you, you kind of have to think they're, they're both kind of winners. Tech, we're under a lot of pressure to, to sell these assets. And if they do get that, that re-rate, then they'll be reasonably happy. I can't imagine, you know, Glencore, Nippon or Posco an awfully upset about the price they've paid. This is, I'm, I'm pretty certain this is going to bear a lot of fruit for them going forward. So you, you do have the, you know, certain risks, potentially the, the rules could change, the royalties could ramp up in British Columbia. You can't, you can't rule that out. Costs did escalate massively over the past couple of years. So, you know, there's certain assumptions that have to be made, but, you know, putting into context and as we get into comparing it with the, the Whitehaven deal, you think it's just going to um, be a pretty value accretive deal over the long term for the likes of Glencore. I'd rather be the buyer than the seller. Take a banking on the re-rate from the coal, like from the copper only. But um, Agreed. You just look at the cash flows. I'd rather be the buyer than the seller. Why, why the why the consortium JD Glencore Nippon and Posco? What's the is Nippon a local? No, um, they're Japanese. They're Japanese. Posco, um, Korean. So steel. Yeah, they have yeah. steel industries, and they had um, ownerships previously. Is They'd, Nippon steel as well? Yeah. So okay. they've they've been rolled into. They were previously owners within the um, Elk Valley subsidiary of Tech, and yep. that's been rolled into the new entity. Okay, mm. gotcha. On your chat about multiples, JD. I, and, and I appreciate your point on, um, you know, the crude metric of um, of the tons. And I think, yeah, I, I, I sort of always, like, these are long life assets. So I think using a, a multiple on, on EBITDA is, is appropriate. It's not like you're going to have some discrepancy in, in um, comparing deals that have very different mine life. So a multiple is okay to use for on EBITDA. So, like, let's, let's, let's compare this deal versus the Whitehaven buying the BMA assets um, recently. In, here's the Whitehaven uh, presentation where they say they paid 2.5 times trailing EBITDA. So I assume that's the last 12 months um, EBITDA, they paid 2.5 times. Here's the UBS quote on the tech uh, deal saying, you know, Glencore paid 2.6 times last 12 months EBITDA. So they basically paid the same multiple on the trailing 12 months EBITDA, except Glencore have picked up better quality assets that produce with substantially better margin and 
are not located in Queensland, which appears to be completely comfortable jacking up royalties as these coal companies become more profitable. So to me, I think like where's my takeaway, you know, looking at that, I actually think it highlights that Whitehaven probably overpaid. If this is like, you know, the market clearing price for better assets and Whitehaven paid the same multiple, well, I just think there's evidence that Whitehaven probably overpaid. So I say that and just watch all of the um, the Paul fanboys come at me on Twitter now, mate. But um, that's <laughs> <laughs> just like, here's, here's your market clearing, clearing price. Agreed, mate. And I mean, again, putting them both in into that context of three to four or two to four, whatever times multiples, they're, you know, they're, they're relatively cheap for the amount of cash. Yeah, regard, like, like my point is not that Whitehaven won't make yeah. money from it. They'll... They will. I mean, these, one the, the more, the more, you know, these uh, Met coal assets aren't coming online. Like, you know, if you take a positive view on coal, which isn't hard to do, then they'll make money. But like, <laughs> there's a difference between making money and also like getting the best possible deal you could have gotten. Yeah, and you kind of have to to call out the um, the pressures on groups like tech to sell these assets. It it doesn't change the fact that the assets are still going to run. Even if you'd closed them down, you know, the, the coal would have come from somewhere. And, I mean, who, I, at the end of the day, the question is, who do you want to run the assets? And that's why it was a big part of the BHB Whitehaven sale, the vetting of who the, the buyer was, had to be a responsible buyer. But that's a, that's a whole other sort of debate. And at the end of the day, it seems like both the, the parties are relatively happy here. So, I mean... That's it, and the, the deal is finally done, so we'll see where it goes from here. Do you, do you reckon after they pay the debt, how much do you reckon they're going to return to shareholders? I mean, it remains to be seen how much of the debt they pay. They um, they would still be a substantial business. They'd probably pay off a bit of it to, to de-risk the business, but, I mean, maybe they keep a bit of leverage and they don't pay it all down. Maybe they pay half of it or whatever. We'll sort of see. And do you think they're going to distribute a lot of that left over to shareholders or they're going to... Keep a bit in the piggy bank. Are they? Are they looking at the M and A front? I think they'll be quiet on the M and A front. Whether they want to advance, you know, QB. Mind you, they've just got it up and running and just getting it into ramp up. But maybe they keep a bit of cash to, you know, take it from stage one to a future stage, like we see with a lot of those big, you know, porphyry mines in South America. That that is a, another debate. But I dare say they'll uh, keep a bit of capital up their sleeve and won't be distributing it all. But that's just my opinion. We'll find out and once we know, we will tell everyone. (laughs) Beauty. Boys, Atlantic Lithium A11 rejects takeover bid. Mm. And Trav, go right into it because the price and where they're trading and everything is very interesting. I'm sure there's some dynamics to speak to on that. Yeah, up front, just um, full disclosure, like we, JD and I picked up some some shares today. Um, So again, discount all of our commentary. Um, through that lens of our conflict. Um, but the announcement that comes out today, major shareholder uh, Asor International, they offered a conditional and non-binding offer to to take out Atlantic Lithium. The offer's at 33 pence. So it's, a, you know, um, most of the, the market action for this stock is is based over in, in London, but that equates to a 63 cent in Australian dollar um, offer price. The really interesting thing is they've knocked back um, – they've, they've revealed in this announcement today that Atlantic have knocked back the this offer. It's a non-binding conditional offer. They've knocked it back twice. Both of those offers were at the same price, the equivalent of Aussie 63 cents. Stock was trading today in the high 40s, low 50s. So most of the day I think it's it's sort of closed up towards the higher 50s. But, um, but 
but when you just sort of like looked at the mm. the discrepancy between you know the the offer price and the trading price that sort of that's what was intriguing to to us jd what were your thoughts i mean that it was just remarkably low volume i mean about yeah. two million shares traded hands today which is you know at an average price around about 50 cents a million dollars so this is on a takeover that valued the business at over 400 million dollars granted you know that the main reason behind that is that it's also london listed but remarkably little volume being traded. There was an interesting comment at the uh, in the last paragraph on the announcement regarding, you know, why, and you can read into it what you will, what, but why they're bringing this forward now, given that had that uh, previous bid being re- rejected at the beginning of October. So they say that they are cleansing the market and that they are issuing new equity, which had been uh, previously awarded to Ghana and Sovereign Wealth Fund. So what do you know, you know about the, um, the acquirer here? Well, that's well. For those who don't know, Atlantica got the I don't know how you pronounce it, Awaya, yep, uh, lithium project in Ghana. So thirty-five million ton at one point two five percent spot. So yeah, sorry, Drava. Uh, az- mm. Yeah, az- and it's the one az- that Azua or Arsor. Yeah, and this is the one Arsor. that. <laughs> that's what it looks like. I, I got a sore ass from sitting here all day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the it's the one we spoke about with Piedmont. Then obviously the the fifty percent or two B fifty percent owners of the project going forward as well. So. I mean, it's obviously one of those ones that's discounted heavily given the jurisdiction that it sits within. On Asor, they are a South African mining group. They were previously listed on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, but no longer. They've got a, a number of mines that they own outright and then an even larger number of mines that they are part owners in. So, I mean, it, one of the fascinating details about this one is that they bid a month ago and then they bid again at the exact same price. You can sort of read into that what you will. Yeah. It sort of speaks that they have a bit of discipline around price, you know, in, you know, it, it was a big premium, like to 60 odd percent, 60 odd percent premium. So they're uh, probably a bit has taken a view that this is a decent enough premium to get let in the door. Of course, the bid's subject to DD. So they haven't actually, you know, looked at the, look behind the, um, the box yet. Yeah. And there's a whole was bunch of Was there any risks. different conditions on the two bids? There probably, there, there probably was. It didn't yeah. actually state that, but there yeah. might've been less conditionality associated with but the revised they, bid. They still require DD. Yeah. So that, they're obviously to, to firm on that. My interpretation is that that's, that's true. Yeah. 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 Pretty, yeah. pretty detail light, but you had a good take on why it's come out, um, now after the second bid, you know, that in quotation marks, market cleansing reason, not quite stacking up. What did you think? Yeah, I um, oh, I, do, I don't know. I can't. I'm kind of sometimes a bit cynical with like the reason that bids get revealed to market. Like, not everyone is um super forthcoming about cleansing and all that sort of stuff when um they've been subject to bids. And I don't know if if behind the scenes there's um sometimes people like leak deals if they can't get in the door, and sometimes you threaten to leak a deal if you if you can't get traction so it's been knocked back twice at the same price the, the like the thought process i had is like i wonder if um if the bidders actually you know kind of insinuated that they're they're gonna leak something if they don't get allowed in and then i don't know i don't know it's all a big chess game hey maybe maybe <laughs> and um there's definitely like there's definitely plenty of risk that no deal happens here and that no counter offer eventuates and that um azor like you know doesn't get let in um no one else is interested and kind of price reverts back to where it was before yeah we're, t- we're talking lithium in ghana <laughs> nothing is off the table <laughs> what could be happening behind closed doors and we should we should mention as well that they are currently 25.27 percent shareholders in atlantic now that goes off the latest presentation we don't know exactly what it is that was a bit over a month ago and piedmont who are 
50% or will be 50% project owners are also 9.3% owners in the corporate entity Atlantic. I just want to um, close off on on a couple comments on lithium and get your guys' thoughts. So we've seen the the price of spodumene hydroxide and carbonate, you know, falling like a stone over the past three weeks in particular, but, you know, more broadly over the last year. So we're now at 1650 US for, for spod and 22,000 bucks US for hydroxide. I mean, the, the broader question is, is there more consolidation at play? You've got a, a number of players, for example, Pilbara, who have relatively substantial cash balances. Granted, they are putting a bit of capex in the ground. I mean, the the idea of 5000 bucks a tonne of spodumene, you know, coming back anytime soon seems very, very far-fetched. This is a much more normal price context we're in now. We, we all know commodities are priced at, at the margin and this seems much more normal. It'd be interesting to see what happens to the lipidolite players in China and wherever else they, they are. I don't think we'll get much market news from those guys, but perhaps they start to shut off sooner or later if the price keeps coming down. But my question to you guys is, is there going to be more consolidation? Oh, that's all that's happening at the moment, isn't there? Everyone's just, it's all M&A buying shares and every, like, you know, Sigma put themselves up for sale. Um, you've got Liontown's obviously coming online, but everything else is just all fight for control of things mm. that aren't producing at the moment. So, um, I, and you look at what with the, there's all the uncertainty around the supply of lipidolite, how long it's going to take for these DLEs and everything to come online. It's like there's going to be still a big long lull period before of uncertainty. So would, would you I, would, be, I wouldn't push the put it out of the equation. There might be some spike that comes within that period till the whole market has yeah. sort of got an identity, I think. Would you be, Who knows? If you had a big pile of cash like Pilbara, would you be rushing in now or would you be waiting and... Yeah, we can't give investment advice, but Pilbara, <laughs> like, yeah. who, who's the best? As, and I think Sammy said in the interview that will come out in the next couple of days, like, Pilbara is so heavily shorted because they've got that fear that they're going to buy something. Yeah, you're dead right. So, but, yeah, depends depends on what they on what they buy. But, look, they've made their, their deposit. Pilgangora is no green bushes, but they've obviously made a lot of cash during that peak period because – are in production and did it well. So, yeah, what do you think, Trav? Um, oh, I just – I love talking about all the lithium deal stuff at the moment. So, like – and I don't really – like I, don't, like I personally don't have much exposure. Um, like, would, you, but, would you back the incumbents? Uh, uh, I think I'd um, – I think I need to do a lot more work understanding the Brian stuff. I feel like I don't have a good grasp of – the supply dynamics because I just don't quite understand the cost, um, like the cost curve and like what where the real efficiencies are, especially with all the stuff coming out of the Atacama, the evaporation, all that sort of stuff. And I you, just don't, don't really want to wrap my head around that. Can't forget about Thacker Pass. That's the <laughs> so that's the sedimentary um, lithium hosted material. So if that if that works, that's a whole nother realm of lithium that can come to the market. So yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of um, a lot of balls in the air at the moment. Uh, yeah. And I think I can't see that yeah. changing anytime soon. I'm, I'm so. personally drawn to like the kinds of opportunities where there's a lot of like asymmetry to the upside and you've got protected downside. And um, and I think like it's a different investment proposition and a different risk profile outlook and stuff. But I think most of the opportunities in the lithium market, they're, they're not 
asymmetric to the upside in the way that I like to play. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Pretty sure your answer's heaps more intellectual <laughs> than mine. I just talked out in the ass. But anyway, people listen. Uh, Boys, rapid fire to finish off. And did you do your little segment about things you got the on the radar for the next oh, couple of months? I'm JD, still thinking. you got it's one. Coming. It's coming. Still thinking. JD, and he's kept it off the notes. He's going to surprise us, I think. No, right. no, no, no. It's not coming today. I haven't thought about it yet. Oh, right. <laughs> rapid uh, fire. True North Copper TNT in trading halt, raising money. At twelve cents, remember they IPO'd at twenty-five cents, so mm. they've uh, hemorrhaged a bit. Twenty-three percent discount at the last price, raising ten million bricks with the ability to take over subscriptions to fifteen million bucks. Ding, ding, ding! I'm participating in the race. <laughs> full disclosure. Yeah. Oh, there you go, Maddie. I uh... they convert so Tembo's converting their debt to equity essentially, aren't they? They're paying out their Tembo loan and the D, what is it? Yeah, they got two debt facilities there and like I think that's DDPM working cap facility. So. Yeah, but basically cash flow issues because they're mining at the moment um, at a project that doesn't have a reserve, which um, is causing some stress. You can see in the quarterly they're losing money. So this here, like as I interpret it, like there was this funny quote in the term sheet, highly advanced in execution of working capital facilities. So they're basically they're raising money here. Tembo's is converting to equity. They're paying debt, paying out the um, other the other debt facility. So they're basically raising equity to pay down debt, only to then get more debt because that's what a working capital facility is. <laughs> I, I, I just think you pay twice on the same fees when you do that sort of thing um, for the for cap. You paying double the fees on the same capital when, you, when you're doing things like that. But um, watch this space. I just hope that um, that like the interesting stuff with True North and I'm sure the reason you probably bought shares was not the project they're currently mining but the other stuff that they've got. Yeah. Uh, the TMT shareholder revo- revolt. So remember the technology metals were merging with AVL, Australian Vanadium, which most logical merger in history, same two tenements on the same orbiting side by side in the Murchison. Uh, released after market open today, there was details in there about the transaction update and there was a, what, 9.2% uh, shareholders of TMT that have uh, 20-odd shareholders that wrote 20. a letter yeah, not that, had, that had some errors in it, TMT <laughs> said. Yeah, funny one, this one. Um I don't think there's too much of a story just yet, but 9.2% have apparently banded together and submitted the same kind of identical looking letter saying that they've got an intention to vote against the scheme of arrangement with um, Australian Vanadium, uh, irrespective of what the independent expert report recommends. Um, very juicy though. I think we'll keep our eyes peeled on that independent expert report when it comes out, Maddie. Because it said they were going to the AGM. Going, at, going to the yeah, going to the vote. Going to the, yeah. sorry, the scheme, the yeah. scheme vote. Uh, so, geez, it'd be rude not to go to that one as well, boys. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, actually a good point. Right. Yeah. Anything that you reckon's coming up in a couple of months that you think's gone out of the news that might come back into it, boys? I'll get back to you on that one, mate. What about... Can you throw another you know, at the board? You know who's gone quiet? <laughs> I haven't got a prediction for this one, but you know who's gone real quiet? Who's that? Why, Lou? Uh, I think they've just become a miner, if you know what I mean. Focusing on the Mincor assets? Yeah. Like at the moment, you yeah, suddenly you have production to worry about. I think your deal appetite dissipates because you've got to. I mean, I'd rather be yeah, kind of doing doing deals left, right, and centre than actually owning owning an asset and becoming a miner. But Twig, Twiggy's got a lot quieter because you obviously had all the work with Wailu. But remember all the stuff he was doing with uh, the his squadron arm purchase and all the like. The, she was a pretty big year for activity on the Twiggy front. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you, yeah, there's uh, gone very quiet. 
part of the charm of being private is that you don't have to report to people all the time. So mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he can't, he can't stay too quiet for too long. I don't think. So I don't know. He's been still in the enough. newspaper every other day. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if they get back in the news soon. Uh, right, yeah. pull, pull your bloody weight, boys. You are the ones with the intelligence here. You should be throwing some darts. Oh. You will have good darts. Yeah, but I want to maintain the perception of intelligence, mate. And if I throw darts at me all the time, I'll lose it. I'll, I'll happily, <laughs> I'll happily uh, take that responsibility for the team. <laughs> Beauty. Couple of sponsors to thank. Quite a few sponsors to thank. Quite a few. God, if only DSI, there was a couple for the same amount. Underground, Terra Capital, McMahon, Mining Title Services, Future Proof Consulting, Anytime Exploration Services, KCA Site Services, JP Search, Brooks Airways, and lastly, K Drill. Hooteroo. Hooteroo, money miners. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.